Look there in your notes. And you'll notice that I um, put in the yellow highlight the two words that make a difference. The rapture and the revelation. Whenever you're reading the scriptures and it talks about being in power, great glory, revealed, every eye see it, that's generally referring to the end of the tribulation period when Christ comes to the earth, sets up his kingdom. We're not to look for that because we're not going to be in the tribulation period. We're not going to be here during this time of wrath. Now, look up here just for a second, and I just want to diagram the chart up here. You see, from here over, that's the church age. Right here, that's the rapture. This is the tribulation period. I am in the middle of the tribulation period, and in the midst of this 70th week, the Bible says the Antichrist will be in the midst, and he will claim to be God himself. And this here period of time, the first three and a half years, called the time of sorrows, even mentioned in the book of Jeremiah, and then the great wrath upon the earth, because the Antichrist is going to come. But this is for the seven years. And then there's the, another period of time called the millennium, which is a thousand years long. So there is a, a day, the church, there is a night, and there is a day. Now what separates these two days is a night. You know, that's what we have it now, you know. There was yesterday, and there was today, and then there was last night. You say, was that taught in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, you'll know there's a truth that has not been revealed in the Old Testament. There are types, but the truth about the body of Christ was not revealed in the Old Testament. Where the Jew and the Gentile... Both believers form one body. That truth was a mystery. A truth that has been hidden in time past, but now revealed for the first time. And God used Paul to reveal that truth. But here is another mystery. You see there in chapter 15, and look in verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. In other words, this is the first revelation of this great truth. We shall not all sleep. That means all of us in the church age, we're not all going to physically, we're not all going to die. We are going to have a group of people that will be living when Christ appears. And when he appears, those people that are alive at that time, that have trusted Christ as Savior, will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But we're going to leave here and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. This is why this is not when Christ comes to the earth at the end of the tribulation period, because that would make us have to go into the day of wrath, and we're not going there. He has not appointed us to this wrath. He's going to deliver us. 
So we are patiently looking and waiting for this blessed hope that one day it will happen. And I'd like to have it happen in my lifetime. Wouldn't you? Now, I want you to look there in verse 2, where it says, And we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's the sign that we put over our nursery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be Anyway, look in verse 52. I don't want to explain that any further than that. By the way, for y'all that don't know, we are becoming a very good church. Every Sunday morning now, we've got about 10, 15, 20 ducks that line up right outside of the front door. And whenever they start playing the music in here, here comes the ducks. And that's not a joke. When they start the music, the ducks all gather, and they gather at the front door, and they listen to the music. And so that's fine. That's fine. But when they start anointing the sidewalk, (laughs) me and Carl this morning had to get a hose and uh, wash all their sins away. But you'll often hear, like, you got to get your ducks in a row. These ducks were not in a row. They were gathered together. And those are holy ducks. But anyway, this is something that is going to take place. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, get this, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. You see, those who have already died, their bodies are corrupted, they're in the grave. But to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. So the Lord says that when he comes back, he's going to bring them with him. And those bodies that are in the graves are going to come out of the graves. But there'll be a glorified body. Now Jesus was able to have a body that could be seen and not seen. I don't care if anybody sees my body or not. I just, like this one guy, <laughs> he died on his way to heaven. I ain't got no body. Well, anyway, I want to have a body. I just don't want to run around naked. The Bible says if you know without a body, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but who wants to run around naked? I don't. I want to have me a body. Now, he makes this statement. We're going to be changed And so those that are alive are going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. I mean, in a lickety split, he will appear, will be changed, and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And God says that now that can happen at any moment. So we believe that. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, many of the notes that I have here, you can read those. And some of these were done by Dr. Hank Lindstrom, but I wanted to outline it a little bit better and uh, put on there the chart so you could relate to it and uh, put it in a little bit better format. But look there in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. Look in verse 13. Verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. And the reason he says that is because there are just so many ignorant brethren. People that do not know. So he's talking to people in Thessalonians, that he had been there about three weeks and taught them all the major doctrines. It's amazing what he taught in just a short period of time. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That's those Christians who have already died. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. 
You see, our hope is that we know, and that's not a, well, I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. No. It's a joyful anticipation that this is true because it depends upon what God said. So he says that you sorrow not as others which have no hope. In other words, when we lose a loved one, we sorrow, but we don't have to sorrow as those who have no hope at all. We know we'll see our loved ones again. In verse 14, for if we believe and keep the Ten Commandments and go to Calvary Community Church and pay 50%, is that in your Bible? Eh, it should be. No, it's not in the Bible. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him? So he can't bring them with him if they're not with him. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. So whenever I die, I'm not in my body. Death means I've left my body. And this body can go to the grave and the worms can eat it and then they'll die. But don't worry about the body. Don't worry about how is God going to get that body back. I mean, what if I was over there in Africa and next thing you know, I fell into the lake and, and 15 alligators devoured me. Now, where's my body? So when the Lord comes back, 15 alligators are going to lose some part. A seed was planted, another one can come back. Don't worry about how God can do it. If God can create the heavens and the earth out of nothing, he don't have a problem. And I don't either because I don't have to do the job. Now, if it was my responsibility, I'd have a problem. And verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of Yankee, uh, word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall be caught up to meet them in the clouds. Where are we going to meet them? In the clouds. See, not coming to the earth. When he comes to the earth, that's a different time. That's a different coming to the earth. That's when he comes in power and great glory because of the wrath of God and the battle of Armageddon and all the nations of the earth be gathered together. Now see, here's the rapture. That's when you and I are taken out of this world. Then the tribulation period. And then Christ comes back to the earth in power and great glory and he's going to bring us with him. That's because he came for his saints. Then he's going to come with his saints to the earth. And he's going to set up this new kingdom upon the earth for a thousand years. Then after that, yes, all kind of things happening. Be a new heavens and a new earth. But God has laid these things out for us. Now, I do want you to look there in chapter 5. Look in chapter 5. The question comes up, but what about this day of the Lord? Well, the day of the Lord is not the time of the church age. Remember this. From Pentecost until the rapture, that is a different period of time. That's where we are. That's the day of grace. This is the tribulation period. This is the 70th week of Daniel that belongs to the 69th that goes back there when Christ was crucified. That's where the 69th week ended. But you have to study the book of Daniel to get that. And if you'll take that class by, uh, you know, Lou Hernandez, then you'll learn all about that. But we are to understand that is a day, this is a night, and there's another day out there. And we and us are not they and them. See, now notice what it says in verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. 
For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the what? Night. night. Now, this is the night. And Christ is going to come back as a thief in the night. This is for us. We're the children of the day. We are not of the night. This is when he comes as a thief in the night. Now, get what else he says here. In verse 3, But when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction come up upon them. When they, them, is not we and us. It's different people. So during the tribulation period, this time of the night, the first three and a half years is when they talk about peace and safety. This is when the Antichrist is taken over by promising peace. Remember the whole tribulation period starts because a man makes a peace treaty with Israel. This last world government will make a peace treaty with Israel. Peace and safety. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that seven years, the Antichrist goes into the temple in Jerusalem, claims that he is God, and then sudden destruction. And that's why he says in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and verse 15, When you shall therefore see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, then you are to flee and get out of Israel, get out of Jerusalem, because sudden destruction, great tribulation upon the nation of Israel, and they're going to try to annihilate every Jew. This is coming. This is in the future. I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but that's the Bible. And if God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. That's all there is to it. So we, we know that we have this seven years, this day of wrath. Now look what else he says here. In verse 4, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Jesus come as a thief in the night, but that day does not come upon you because, <laughs> look up here again. He's taking us out. This is the night. You'll find it in the book of Amos, in the book of Jer uh, Isaiah, and other scriptures in Jeremiah. It talks about it, the darkness and woe and Joel. The book talks about how terrible this time is, the time of darkness. Well, that's this night. And Jesus is coming back at the end of it to the earth. And so when that takes place, he makes this statement. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day. So if you're talking about that day, must be a different day than this day. Didn't you see that? This day, that day, night. What separates two days? Night. Glad you see that. So in verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. So look up here. We are of this period of time. They are of this period of time. And then there's going to be another day. So when he talks about they and them, that's these people here. So that's why the revelation of Jesus Christ being revealed and every eye will see him is at the end of the tribulation period. But when he comes for you and I, all of a sudden, the twinkling of an eye, appear and disappear. I can't wait. I just want the Lord to give me enough time that on my way up I can look down and say, I told you, I told you so. 
I was right. You was wrong. I like being right. Don't you like being right? I've had people say, well, I don't agree with you. You can be wrong if you want. But I know and believe that I'm right. And until somebody can take the scriptures and scripturally prove me I'm wrong. I've had a lot of people try to say, the only reason you believe what you believe is because of the Schofield Reference Bible notes. I still haven't read all the Schofield Reference Bible notes. But you'll notice right above your picture, this position is not due to the notes of the Schofield Bible, but to the study of the Word of God. You know why I believe what I believe? Because I believe the Bible teaches it. Not because Schofield's notes. I'm just glad, though, that um, I use the Schofield Reference Bible because I love the notes that they do have. And there's a lot of good stuff in it. But they're not inspired of God, no more than the chapters and the verses are. But you read and you study what the Scriptures has to say. Now look what it says down here in uh, verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain deliverance by our Lord Jesus Christ. See, He died for us, and He's going to deliver us from the day of wrath. We are not of the night. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, in spite of what the Apostle Paul had taught, somebody was acting as an authority and writing letters and contradicting what uh, Paul had said. And giving them the idea that the, um, the rapture is not really going to happen when they said it is. It's going to happen at the end of the tribulation period. And so it lets them know you're in the tribulation period because they were having such great persecution. Surprise! And he says, that's not it. So in chapter 2 and verse 1, But we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our, now get this, gathering unto him. So there is a coming and a gathering. He comes for us. And he's going to come back to the earth. And in verse 2, That ye be not so shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Or a reference toward the day of the Lord. It's not here yet. Don't believe that you're going to go through the tribulation period. This is a scripture annulling that teaching that many people are holding today. And it says in verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a fallen away first, and the man of sin be revealed. Look up here. This day can't come. Until, first of all, we have departed and the man of sin has been revealed. It can't happen until this and this takes place first. Then he says here, in verse 5, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now hindereth will hinder until he be taken out of the way. We believe that the Holy Spirit that lives within each and one of us 
It's what's holding back this day of wrath coming. But one of these days when the Holy Spirit takes out the body of Christ, the church is gone. Then the devil is going to do all the wicked he can possibly do. And that's what he's talking about here. In verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So we know that the devil and with his enemy, that all that has to take place before Christ comes back to the earth. So we know we're going to be taken out first. Then the Antichrist. So when the rapture takes place, only ones left are going to be the lost. But the seed has been sown. And many people will believe on the Lord. And not only that, but there will also be 144,000 Jewish evangelists preaching the gospel all over the place. Now get what he says here. When he says in verse 9, Even him whose coming is after the work of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Christ is not coming until after the working of the devil. So if you and I were supposed to go through the tribulation period and then Christ comes back, why are we looking for the rapture and Christ to come for us? Why not tell us to look for the devil and the Antichrist? Because that happens first. But he doesn't tell us that. No, because this coming for us in the air is imminent. It means it could happen at any time. We cannot go through this period of time because that's a period of time that doesn't belong to us. That's what you get as a result of dispensational teaching in the Word of God. And some preachers don't appreciate and don't like dispensational teaching. But it is in the Bible and it is scriptural and it is right. Now get what he says. In verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions that they might believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The rapture takes place. People will still be teaching the truth of God's word. Then people can be saved in the book of Revelation chapter 7, chapter 14. Multitudes of people from all nations will trust in the Lord. And multitudes will be murdered during this seven-year period of time. And so those that were killed and martyred in the sixth seal says, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not avenge and judge our blood upon them that dwell upon the earth? Because there's going to be there's a time of wrath coming. Then it talks about the wrath of the Lamb. And so when Christ comes back and all these nations have come together against Israel, the battle of Armageddon and Jesus Christ takes care of all of that. Then he sets up his kingdom upon the earth. And why does he allow the Antichrist to teach such a lie that deceives the world? Because they refuse to believe the truth. That's what he's talking about here. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They could have been saved, but they chose not to believe the truth. Think about this. Look how many people today could believe the truth. And the truth is that you're saved by grace. You're not saved by your works. But they don't believe that. And so they're trying to earn their way to heaven by their good works. And God says, nobody has ever been saved by their good works. No one can ever and will ever live good enough to go to heaven. By grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, 
lest any man should boast. Let me show you something. You've probably never seen this before. You ever seen this before? This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin. Because sin has to be paid. Because we've all sinned, we're all guilty. We're all condemned to an eternity separated from God in a literal fire burning hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you have to be perfect as righteous as God and nobody's perfect. We've all done things wrong. Nobody in God's eyes is any better than anybody else. We've all, we're all the same, no difference. But God loves us. And he says you cannot save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he chose to die by taking our sins and paying for them on the cross and came back from the dead. And he says that if you and I, if we would believe that he did it for us, he'd put this payment to our account, we go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. So if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, you are not a Christian. You are not going to heaven. You have not been born again. There's only one way to get to heaven. That's that you must go through Jesus Christ. You must believe that he died and paid for your sins. See, the reason I know I'm going to heaven is because I know I can't go to hell. And the only reason I know I can't go to hell, I don't have any sins to pay for. Christ paid for my sins. Why? Because he didn't want me to do it. But he did it for everybody. Now, men would have to be a fool to turn down a free gift. There's no tricks to this. There's no gimmicks. The best news I ever heard in my whole life. And I hope you have fun reading the rest of those notes because I didn't have time. Now, we could spend another hour and I could cover some more of it, but it's all right. I think they're self-explanatory. Let's have prayer, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning or if you're watching by Internet and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, all I want to do is just give you that opportunity. I want to encourage you. I would love to persuade you to trust the Lord. Because since you can't save yourself, why not trust Christ as Savior? If the Lord could come back at any moment, and if you have not trusted Christ as Savior, you don't get to go. You'll go into that tribulation period upon the earth. Worst period of time the world has ever known. But why not right now in the quietness of this moment just talk to the Lord and say something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that when Christ died, I believe he died for me. And I'm going to trust him right now as my Savior. If you've never done it before, would you do it right now and say, Lord, I will trust Christ right now as my only hope of going to heaven. And if you'll do that, I'd like to know and I'd like to have prayer for you. So I'm going to ask you if you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. Anyone at all before we close? Just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. By that you mean, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior this morning. I want to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you. And one and all before we close. If you're watching by internet, right on the screen it says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I pray that you will. Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings to us. Thank you for the free gift of everlasting life. And help us, Lord, to be consistently always looking for the blessed hope. It may be today. If not, well, we'll be looking tomorrow. We ask your blessings also upon all those that have prepared food for us to eat today. And we ask your blessings upon the fellowship and for those who work so hard to prepare it. Thank you for the food. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.